This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Wednesday live cast here on Twitch. Hello to everybody in the Twitch chat. We hope you're having a great day. Always a pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining us. My name is Reese. I'm your host, and with me is my trusty companion, life partner, lifting pal. I look like a squat next to you. Yeah, I am. I am tall. It always reminds me how tall I am when yeah. I stand next to you or Frankie. Yeah. We should give you little like Tom Cruise risers for your shoes. I would use it if we had a box <laughs> that I can stand on. It'd be amazing. Then people see me and they're like, "You're a lot taller. You're a lot shorter in person." I'm like, "That's oh, the camera." You have a, a, a tall presence. The thing is, I'm average height. Like I'm five ten. Yeah, that and, is the average. But height. like I get a lot of like the Tinder thing. The girls are like, "Nah, you're too short." Yeah, I'm like, "What?" You had a you went on a date with a girl who was almost canceled because you weren't. No, six, she did. Two. This is a good story. I don't. Know yeah, you should share this one. It's pretty funny. Actually. Maybe later. Maybe later. Um, well, Jason actually yeah. got a second chance. The girl turned him down because he's too short. Ended up going out with the date on her anyway, and on he reminded me. He's like, "Do you remember the time?" <laughs> no, I didn't tell her. I thought you did. You said no. you joked about it. I, the next day. Oh, the, the next day. Anyway, lucky it's dog. A stupid story. Uh, anyway, pretty funny stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I'm six two, and yeah. it's not only a four inch difference, but it's pretty pronounced on yeah. the on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. All right. You no, know, this is tall. Mariana is really tall. She, yeah, she wears heels sometimes, and it's so yeah. I get so angry. I'm like, yeah, she's she's pushing six foot. She's emasculating. <laughs> Who cares anyway? <laughs> I guess that's easy to say when I've never experienced right it before. Yeah. yeah. So at any rate, we do talk about gaming on the show from time to time, but today it's going to be a little different. This episode, we are going to cover the gaming news, of course, but today, well, not today, <laughs> this month, basically. Uh, Frontline Gaming turns seven years old. It's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, we're very proud of the fact that we've managed to, to stay in business and grow uh, for seven years. And we wanted to do kind of like a little trip down memory lane, a little montage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at this. Yeah. Look at, at this. this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, congratulations to all of us, right? Like we did it as a team and we're really, really proud of, of what we've done. And we wanted to talk a little bit about the history of frontline gaming because it's kind of a cool story. And a lot of people, a lot of gamers out there is, a lot of gamers out there have a dream to open up their game store. I know that's, we were gamers that wanted to have a game store. And right. Kind of share a little bit of the story and the ups and downs and the pitfalls and the, the successes that have led us to where we are. Because mm-hmm. it's been a pretty bumpy ride and it's been kind of a wild ride and we thought it would be fun to share that. Yeah. Um, but before we did, we wanted to dive into the news because there's a lot of cool stuff going on. And that was really sweet of you, Mariana. Yeah. Thank you for making a... Do you want to blow it out before it melts all over the uh, your treat? <sighs> Yay! <laughs> that looks really tasty, but I'm on a diet, so... Where did, okay. Tell us where you got it from, Mariana. It's a Burger King apple pie. A That's King pretty funny, actually. Apple pie. That's, you know what? That's very appropriate. That's very really appropriate yeah. for a frontline gaming prize. Mm-hmm. Something you got from Burger King. Yeah. But, hey, all good. So, uh, first of all, let's go ahead and jump in and talk about some of the news. If you wouldn't mind jumping back over to your notes, buddy. Mm -hmm. So, one of the big pieces of news, uh, very exciting. If you're a fan of Adeptus Titanicus, GW has, over the last couple days, announced Mm -hmm. some new kits on the way, and they're really cool. Uh, We have some Night Lancers, which are going to be coming out. It's going to be a a pack of two. 
And again, the scale of Adeptus Titanicus is, is significantly different. A Warlord Titan is a little bit smaller than an actual knight. It's about uh, the size of a Helverin, an armature. It's bigger than, it's in between a Helverin and a knight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, they're quite large. So an, a knight in this game is the size of like a Terminator, mm -hmm. and a Lancer will be a little bigger. Yeah. Way more complex than a Terminator, though. In terms of in terms building of assembly, the kit, yeah. it's, they're, they're pretty close. Mm. Um, the Warlord Titan is pretty complicated to make. But the Night Lancers are really cool. They have an Ion Shield. Um, they're good in melee, obviously. And it, it sounds like they're going to be really good for harassing and hunting um, Titans in the game. Nice. So uh, that's really cool. There's also uh, some new boards coming out from Forge World. They're extremely detailed. They're gorgeous, pretty much what you would expect. And the plastic buildings uh, for the game fit on the board. It looks really, really cool. Uh, or you could get uh, a Warzone mat from FLG, which yeah. is also scaled appropriately for games like Adeptus Titanicus. And the other exciting news is they're coming out with new accessory kits for the Warlord and the Reaver Titan uh, with new weapon options, including melee weapons, which is really cool. So for those of you out there who play Adeptus Titanicus, that's uh, pretty exciting news. I am personally hoping that we see more stuff that are not just Knights and Titans. I know the name of the game would not lead you to believe that that's going to occur, but I would be very happy if they started basically making Epic. So mm -hmm. we'll see. Uh, although I have not had the chance to play the game myself, everybody I've talked to that has played the game raves about it and they say it's a lot of fun. So pretty cool. Yeah. That's oh, cool. I mean, it's like one of You haven't games. had a chance to play yet. I haven't either. Yeah. No. We have a Warlord Titan for the game sitting on the the shelf at work, um, a symbol that looks rad. We just haven't uh, we just haven't had the chance to play it. Like, mm. it's tough to find the time just to play, forty k, right? And that's our our main squeeze in AOS. Yeah. In that way that we have to play, so you have yeah. to play at least five games in eight weeks. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and we, we have a hard time doing that sometimes too. The league we're talking yeah. about is run by uh, Keith Barry and Coop Juice. And it's run out of the ID store. You can play anywhere. Mm -hmm. Basically, we merged the FLG League with their league because their league was, was significantly bigger. And it was the exact same format. We were like, why don't we just all play together? Yeah. So uh, if you're in the San Diego area or even you know within a reasonable mm -hmm. driving distance, uh, league signups are going on right now. And they do have a little bit of space left. So if you did want to participate, jump in. It's a lot of fun. You basically, like you said, you play six games in eight weeks. Mm -hmm. If you make the finals, you keep going. Um, into a single elimination playoff until there's just one winner left. It's a lot of fun. Um, really, really good people to play around here. So definitely recommend joining up if that's something that interests you. Mm -hmm. In other news, we have some really, really exciting Black Friday uh, sales and new product releases planned coming up. So we've got a ton of stuff that we're coming out with all brand new and uh, uh, some really incredible savings as well. Uh, so. If you've been waiting for a good deal, I hope that this is enticing for you because we're, getting, we're really going all out on it this year. The sale will start on the 16th. Uh, that's this coming Friday. If you're watching us live, that's in two days. If you're listening to the podcast or watching us on YouTube, that's today, the day that this yeah. cast comes out. Get on it. So head on over to Frontline Gaming. It's store.frontlinegaming.org. And you can see, or if you go to the blog, which is frontlinegaming.org, we'll kind of outline everything that you can expect. Uh, and the sale runs through Cyber Monday, which is the 26th of November, 2018. And we've got something to release like nine out of the 10 days. We have an announcement to be made. They'll all be available from the beginning. So don't feel like you're going to miss out or you should wait to see. We're just going to promote one of those things every day. Mm -hmm. 
so that we don't just kind of overwhelm everybody with everything all at once. But it's going to be really exciting, and we hope that you choose to pick some goodies up because you'll save a lot of money and uh, get a chance to get some brand new stuff. Yeah, we're also going to be doing some exclusive sales in store, which we have not done before. Yeah, black yeah. on actual Black Friday, mm -hmm. we're going to have some crazy deals. We're going to be blowing out some inventory. So if you want to come into Frontline Gaming, please do. Uh, and on Black Friday itself, we're going to have some really killer deals in store. We can't the price. I know it's kind of cheesy to say this, but price is so low we can't advertise yeah. them. We literally can't. Yes, Games um, Workshop, you cannot have yeah. it. <laughs> so we're going to have some killer deals if you want to come in to secondhand shop uh, inventory. There's all kinds of good stuff. So if you want to cruise by on Black Friday. Maybe give some us donuts. Some, yeah. yeah. Maybe some. you can bring us some donuts. Yeah. But uh, uh, one of the nice things is in our um, uh, business park here, you're not going to have to be fighting a ton of crowds and stuff like that. So right. you can cruise in at your leisure and pick up some good deals. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And sometimes a lot of good stuff that you wouldn't normally find in normal game stores because um, we have a lot of web store exclusive items. We do. For reasons. We do. Yeah. <laughs> so come and check it out and uh, save some money, pick up some goodies and uh, enjoy, enjoy saving money. But also we have a copy of Blackstone Fortress here. This is the hot new release from Games Workshop. Uh, really exciting release. There's all kinds of cool, fun stuff in here. Uh, tons of miniatures. Just something for everybody if you're a 40k fan. Right. Plus the game itself is kind of a mix between um, uh, Silver Tower and um, Shadespire. Right. So it's amazing, really. There's tons of uh, tons of minis, tons of all kinds of good stuff in here. And we thought we'd pop it up and take a look. It is up for pre-order still. It's pre-order for the second week. It's up for two it's weeks. Two-week pre-order. Pre yeah. So you got some colored plastic, um, all kinds of fun stuff. The, all the different characters mm -hmm. in here, which are you pick one to play in, in Blackstone Fortress, um, and then of course you can use them in 40k for any number of things. Mm -hmm. You got some Renegade Guardsmen. You've got uh, Chaos Lord with a Thunderhammer, which is really exciting, and all kinds of cool stuff. The one I'm really most excited about. Uh, besides, you know, like the Beastmen, mm -hmm. Urgles, is the Chaos Space Marines, which are the size of Primaris Space Marines. They are. This morning I took a Primaris uh, Space Marine and I put it next to it because I, I didn't believe you because all the photos, I, it just you don't they don't see the scale. They don't put them next to anything to show it. And sure enough, just as big as the Reaver, as uh, one of the Primaris Reavers. Yeah, and that, that's kind of a cool kind of, um, you know, we don't know what's coming, of course, but it's kind of a cool mm -hmm. idea of what to expect. In the fluff, Fabius Bile stole, stole the gene seed for the primary space marine. So, right. uh, you know, I would say it's reasonable to expect Chaos is going to get some cool stuff mm -hmm. going forward. Um, it just makes sense, right? Yeah. So we'll see what uh, what comes in the future. But if you wanted to pick up Blackstone Fortress, you can do so at a discount. And, of course, free shipping orders $99 and up, which Blackstone Fortress triggers it on its own. Mm -hmm. So free, free shipping within the continental United States. Check that out, and hopefully you uh, That creature enjoy. is like way cool. Oh, dude, all the models yeah. are amazing. They're so, so good. Mm -hmm. So, it is our birthday. Our birthday month. It is our birthday month. Do you remember the exact day, the we, first day that you actually were like, we're open, I'm in the office? No. We actually opened for business in November, but we went and got our business license, um, leased the first space, all that in actually the end of October 2011. Okay. So we technically became a, an entity in October. Mm -hmm. However, we didn't hang our shingle and, and start taking sales in until November of 2011. Gotcha. So that was when all of that occurred. So I thought it'd be fun. So let's go back and kind of check, take a quick little 
journey down memory lane, talk about how Frontline came to be. And I know that for a lot of gamers out there, this is kind of a cool story. It's obviously cool for us because we lived it. Um, but it's kind of interesting because we definitely haven't done it the normal way, so to speak. We weren't right. a traditional, you know, game store like the the, the, the average one that you see. Mm-hmm. It's been really kind of a mixed bag. So uh, it all started back in the summer of 2011 uh, when we hosted our very first GT called the Bay Area Open. Now, back then, there was not a lot of GT independent GTs that existed. Because in the in the ye old days, uh, Games Workshop ran grand tournaments. That's where the name comes from, mm-hmm. and they did it all. But then they kind of backed away from the scene, and it left a vacuum. And the only show in town back then really was Adepticon. That was the, the that was the big event, and that was the one that everybody had gone to. We'd been to it a couple times, and it was amazing. We didn't even know it was possible for gamers to just kind of go out and do their own thing run an event like this, we've always kind of had it in our head. It was like only GW does this. Mm-hmm. So to see it and see how cool it was and to see that it was run by people just like us was very inspiring. And at that time, uh, the Nova Open was just taking off and they were uh, just months ahead of us really. And the seeing that, seeing other people trying to get out there and have that success, it kind of pushed us into the realm of like, let's do this, right? Like, let's do this. And we, we had some events in our area. We had the Grand Wall, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, we had some events in the Bay Area, but they were all very old school 40K kind of GTs, the way that uh, Games Workshop used to do it. And the idea that we had was basically like, why don't we run a competitive event and see how it goes? And we, we borrowed really heavily from what other people had done, took inspiration from them. There was a group called the Sprue Posse that ran the Sprue Posse GT in LA, and we took a lot of their format. Um, with uh, the Swiss pairings, a lot of the ideas that they had, and they were magic guys. Mm-hmm. And we kind of like threw it all in a pot, came together with a team, and uh, just decided to take the risk and go for it. And uh, it was a huge success. The, ba- the BAO was one of the biggest events in the country right from the word go. And while we only made $14 total mm-hmm. on the event, uh, and we had to really hustle and figure out a lot of stuff, it gave us the confidence as a team to go like, hey, maybe we could make a profession of this. And uh, at that time, as it worked out, um, I had just tried to start another business with friends. It didn't work out. We lost a lot of money. But with what little money we had left, um, we decided to open open Frontline Gaming. Uh, one of our buddies found a, an unbelievable deal on a retail space yeah. in Martinez, California. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you all have heard us joke about it a lot, but I mean, our roots are in, it's extremely humble. Um, you know, we had, between all of us, we had 16 grand. And like, that sounds like a lot of money uh, to people who, you know, most people don't ever have 16 grand just sitting around Mm -hmm. uh, until later in life when they're more established. But um, that was all we had for, like I was doing it full time. It was living expenses, stocking the store, paying rent, everything. And in terms of starting a business, that is like nothing. Mm -hmm. That is nothing. We bootstrapped it hard and, uh, the only way it worked is that I actually moved in with you. Yeah, that's how we met. That's because you needed to save money. And we didn't really even know each other that well. No. And we just kind of hung out at the game store at the local G-Dub mm-hmm. and uh, we became friends. And you were like, hey, you know, I've, I rented a place that's a little bit more than I really actually wanted to spend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, I'm looking to save money because I was living in San Francisco at the time and my rent was astronomical because that city's so expensive. So I, I got out of my lease and I came and lived on your couch. Mm-hmm. Um, in the living room and that persisted for a year and change actually yeah 
And that was kind of one of the ways we saved money in our rent on our, our place was just like nothing. Yeah. It was nothing, but it was also a 450 square foot space in a tiny town mm-hmm. that had, uh, we were in section eight housing, which for those of you who don't know what that means, it's government assisted living. So a lot of the people in the building with us were like schizophrenic or, you know, recovering addicts. Yeah. <laughs> so, or current addicts. Or current addicts. Yeah. But, you know, you work with what you got yeah. and, um, we, we decided to make a, a run at it and that was how we started and yep. frankie was working two jobs um he would get up at four four in the morning go work at um ups until he would work there from like five until like nine and then he would come to frontline and work at frontline from like nine thirty until like six or seven at night mm-hmm. and he did that for years not taking a single penny from the company Right, like he worked for free, two jobs, and again, the only way that he could even do it was because he lived at home. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we didn't like the only reason it worked is because we had zero overhead. Yeah, you know, I was living on beans and rice mm-hmm. and just putting every penny back into the company. So, we actually turned a profit in the first year, but it was really modest. However, as startup businesses go, that's insane. Like you, you usually lose money. You plan on losing money for the first two years mm-hmm. and not turning, a, not making any money until year three. But we were able to turn a profit because we had like no overhead. Yeah. Right. Not married, no kids. Frankie was only 20. Yeah. At the time I was 29 and uh, yeah, that was it. That's how we got going. So it was really interesting to, to be in that scenario because we had very limited fi- money. We couldn't afford to screw up. We couldn't afford to do anything that did, wasn't going to start making us money right away. Mm-hmm. So it forced us to be really, really creative. Right. Um, and we didn't have any experience running a retail facility either. So we were figuring it all out as we went. Mm-hmm. And we were like, how the hell do we make money when we don't have any money and nobody knows who we are? Mm-hmm. So we, we jumped in and we decided to do everything all at once. Like we were a paint studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we'd already run an event. Which made, everybody was doing in the shop. We were doing it in the shop <laughs> while customers were coming in. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, too, because that little shop... Uh, it wasn't much to look at and it was tiny, but we really made the most out of it. It like, was, yeah, somehow. Yeah. It's crazy. Frankie yeah. sat on a wooden stool <clears throat> yep. at the painting table. That was his desk. Mm-hmm. My desk was right next to the bathroom, which was awful. And because every time anybody went to the bathroom, Imagine I, all the gamers. I got yeah. to enjoy the full experience yep. all with all my senses except vision, thank God. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was how we got it going. And, and, yeah. and despite it was a tiny little shop, we had the support of amazing people. Some colorful characters, uh, like Kino, whom uh, I hope he's doing great, and uh, it was an awesome dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, his brother Kelso, they painted with us, helped us run the shop. Ronnie, remember him? Mm-hmm. Come in and tell us all the stories about uh, his adventures in the SCA and all that stuff. And uh, uh, in one of the pictures you see our friends that came all the way to visit us from New Zealand. Not They didn't come to America specifically to see us, but... Yeah. Um, uh, Pascal and, and Miho. Yeah, and they still come out to the LVO when they can. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a, it was just so cool to see all these people who knew who we were, and to look, see the look on their face when they walked in the door and like, this is it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, this is it. But we you know we had a podcast. We were doing video battle reports, which all at the time was brand new. Same shop. Yep. Everything was done in the shop. The podcast. Yep. You remember, you would hear, and this is before I joined. Yeah. You, I mean, I was I was there, but I wasn't part of uh, the team. I had my a different job and stuff, but you do the podcast in there. The bus would go by every five minutes because it was, it was so the major annoying. bus stop, yeah. and it was the bus where they would let people out from 
the prison or the mental hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Cause we had those in our town within visual distance. We had a state yeah. hospital like that was where they sent the mentally ill. Mm -hmm. We had a prison, two biker chapter houses and a steel refinery. Mm -hmm. That was our, that's that was the, the town. Valley, <laughs> Valley convenient mart, which is amazing. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and that was, that was, that was where the, we got the wheels turning. We did, we made the most of what we had. And uh, the business was successful, but the only reason it was success successful was because we had we, we were living so cheaply, mm -hmm. um, and we knew that we needed to push forward if we were going to keep doing this as a long term, a long term career. So yeah, we have some fun pictures in here from the original shop, a funny picture of Kino who was quite the character, um, and then one of the things we did start doing at this point in time uh, is we started making uh, terrain and gaming surfaces. Back then, uh, our first product was literally a piece of cloth that we painted and then handmade terrain out of like foam core, uh, popsicle sticks, you know, like mesh, plastic card. It was the kind of stuff you do as a hobby project for yourself. Um, it was like the buildings you would make if you were like in architectural school. Mm -hmm. And that was when we first started making like terrain, gaming surfaces. And it was the kind of stuff that we were making for our own tournaments. And we started selling them and it was, it was a success, but it was not scalable. Right. Like it took so long to make, to make each set that we would have had to charge an arm and a leg for it to make any sense. Mm -hmm. We really didn't, it wasn't a really a scalable solution, but it kind of got the wheels turning and going that direction into kind of making products, right? We started doing it with our two hands and some exacto blades. Um, but we realized really quickly like, hey, this isn't gonna work if, if we really wanna make a business out of this. So that was at the time that we started our partnership with our friends over at Table War to start make, making gaming mats. And um, that was a big, a big step for both of our companies mm -hmm. because we trucked over to China. Um, they'd already gotten the process started. We were going kind of a different route. And instead of competing, we decided to work together. Um, you know, we had been friends with those guys for quite some time mm -hmm. in gaming groups and such. And so we decided to take a big risk, invest a lot of money into it, and try to make gaming mats, which is a huge success. And that was so exciting to see. Uh, we did a Kickstarter and it like went red hot. Mm -hmm. And you know, we've all seen it when like a game or a product on a Kickstarter goes hot and you're like, oh wow, look, they made, you know, X amount of dollars. And we brought in 130 grand. Mm -hmm. And I remember like the moment, um, I was, it was actually during the, this time of the year in November. And I was at my uncle's house and we were doing Thanksgiving and I had the laptop open and it was just so cool to be able to share that moment with my whole family and to see it just, the number just keep going up and up and, you know, all my family and everything was so excited. And mm -hmm. that was just a really cool moment um, to have an idea, um, again, with, you know, not trying to take credit for it. We did it with, with our, our friends over Tabor mm -hmm. and um, to work hard together as a team to, to get out there to have people get excited about it. Yeah. And now these neoprene gaming mats are like a staple, right? Like you don't, you now go it's to- it's normal, it's, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you, don't, you don't go to a game store without seeing them on the tables. You don't go to an event. If you went to an yep. event and they didn't have them, you would be like, this is kind of like either a brand new event or it's yeah. kind of like a- <clears throat> Can you imagine the old, the felt cloths again? Yeah. <laughs> Cause people don't realize, like you, it's, yeah. it's funny how quickly you come to accept it. Trash bags? It used to be, yeah, we went to an event that put trash bags on the table, <laughs> but it used to be felt or what we did was like, if you see in some of those pictures, it's just painted cloth, mm -hmm. which, you know, like I would, I went down to a, a cloth manufacturer and I would just buy them by the bolt, mm -hmm. right? And because like back in the beginning, like to run the BAO, we had no money, none, right? And like, we just, you make do with what you got. 
And uh, I would buy like bolts of cloth and I put them in the truck and drive back and then we would cut them and paint them. Mm -hmm. And that, it was totally serviceable, but you know, that does not last. And it was shitty, you know, someone puts a drink on it and I was a ring on it forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, you know, wasn't a long-term solution. And that's where the ideas for the gaming surfaces came from. And I remember that first moment we got our big shipment in for the, for the Kickstarter. That was like, such a cool moment because we were like, wow, we... Look how excited they look. Yeah. There's a photo of, I don't know if, if Mariana's showing it or not, but there's a young uh, Jeff Robertson. Robinson, right? yeah, Jeff. From, uh, Star uh, Warcraft fame, I we, think. We managed to rope Jeff into coming and helping yeah. us. <laughs> the big Starcraft superstar at this time. I mean, he still is, but this yeah. is when he was in his heyday. And but then in... it's funny because it, what, what this is funny is it, this is the first, it looks like it's the first offloading of a stack of the first shipment, which would then become... Such a oh, hassle. It was such a pain Never in the butt. Never fun. These, each of those boxes is like 50 to 80 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much yeah. work, right? Like you can just, see there's no lift gate on nope. that truck. Nope. <laughs> in the old days, we did anything we could possibly do to save money. Yep. Right? And so like usually when you get a shipment of product from a manufacturer, it comes on a pallet. Mm-hmm. But a pallet's not super efficient. You can't get as much stuff in. So we were like, pack that sucker to the roof. It's just a shipping container, packed, it's packed, full. And it saved us a lot of money on shipping, mm-hmm. but like imagine lo- like each one of those is at least 50 pounds, each one of those boxes. And there's in some instances, a thousand of them. Like imagine unloading each one of those by hand. And you have to do them quick because quick. the driver is not, he's gonna drive away. He's like, you have two hours. Yep. So we'd have to rope in all our friends and family and whoever was there to help unload Get those pizza things. Pizza and beer. Yeah, and we just, whatever we could do um, or just go down to the Home Depot and pick up some, some day laborers yeah. and what, we did whatever we had to do. And uh, as biz, as the sales picked up because the product was really popular, we were doing it like all the time. You came to dread. You just, God, you knew you a shipment was coming in. It's like, on your calendar oh. and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. And then some of our friends there like Ernie and Brian and uh, they people. They would help out, man. They would help out and we we're so thankful for their help and wherever you guys are now because we don't talk as much as we used to. We hope your everything's going good. But that was a big turning point for both for both companies because it really allowed us to fast track a lot of our plans. Mm-hmm. We had a, a revenue coming in, and it allowed us to do a lot of fun and cool stuff. So we're really thankful for that um, that that strike of that that, that fortunate event mm-hmm. that was a result of a lot of hard work and careful planning. And to everybody out there who who bought and supported the idea a lot of guys in that bay area that didn't have to at all they, they like just they came and could have us. went to any of the established giant game stores but they just were friends of ours and they came and supported us you know Crazy. frontline gaming back in the early days may have been small and smelly and hot mm-hmm. but it was a lot of fun it was it was a lot of fun um, and we definitely enjoyed making zero money working 100 hours a week because <laughs> that was what it took and uh, during that period of time also we were super duper active as what we like to call mercenary TOs. So we would run around all over the place, all over the Western United States, running, helping people run events. Um, we were just trying to get out there and, and help move the scene forward. We were trying to get more people excited to play. Uh, we were trying to establish our reputation as really good at running events. And we, at this period of time, would be doing as many as five GTs in a year, which is insane, mm-hmm. right? Each one of these would be a major today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were running around all over the place, packing up the crew, the gear, we'd throw it in a trailer, hook it up to my truck and off we'd go. And uh, while it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and we made a lot of amazing contacts, um, it really helped to establish our reputation. It was a lot of work, it was very difficult and we made no money. Um, 
we, we came to quickly realize that if we wanted to, to run events and make it a sustainable part of our profession that we had to go into business for ourselves. But some of the cool stuff we got to do, like uh, we got to meet Stan Lee. Yeah, he John, walked by the... Um, and he stopped and, and talked he was, to and us. And he was like, yeah, yeah I, I still remember that. He like walked by with his hands behind his back and he was like looking at the models. Like, yeah. Very nice. You know, it's really, like, he just like wrote gentlemanly, like, like yeah. didn't know anything about it. He's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it was, I was starstruck, yeah. right? Because I'm a huge comic book nerd. And I turn around and there's Stan Lee standing right there. He's like, what are you boys doing? And I'm like, duh. <laughs> like, uh, and we got to meet Ernest Borgnine, of all people. And rest in peace to both yeah. of those gentlemen. Ernest Borgnine came up, and a lot of you probably who are younger have no idea, but he's a famous actor from, uh, you know, years gone past. And he was starting a ton of movies with, like, um, um, uh, the Duke. Uh, John Wayne. John Wayne. Like, he was in a lot of World War II movies, a lot of Westerns. And uh, it was just really neat. And we got to meet uh, all kinds of cool cosplayers. And we were at, like, Anime Expo and Kamikaze. Mm -hmm. uh, all these really cool events. And it, it, it was actually really good for our careers because we made all these contacts. Mm -hmm. But we didn't make any money. No. Um, and that was when we decided that uh, if we were really going to make a run at doing events and make it sustainable, not something that we just did as a hobby, like... A lot of people who run uh, uh, GTs and stuff out there, which we have nothing but respect and applaud you for it. It's if you're only doing one a year and it's something that you do for the love of it, you don't need to really make any money, right? It's it's like that it becomes your hobby. But as that was our job, we knew that we needed to take the to take the big risk and try to do uh, try to do it professionally in a way that could actually be sustainable. And that's when we decided to to do the LVO because mm -hmm. we had gone to the Throne of Schools tournament um, before we even started Frontline Gaming and Games Workshop had thrown it in Vegas. And it was a blast. It was so much fun. It only lasted one year. And, and now that we run events in Vegas, we know why. It probably is because they took a bath on how expensive it was. Mm -hmm. But it inspired us to try and do it ourselves. And a lot of the ideas that we have actually came from that event. Like the best of faction, that is straight up from that event. That Because when we went, we're like, oh, this is genius. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people there were like, oh, I'm just competing to be the best tyranny player or whatever. And you're like, that is such a good idea. And so a lot of the, the really cool stuff that we do actually came from there. A man named Ed Spedigue was actually the guy who, mm. who, who came up with a lot of that. And Ed's a really good dude. He worked for GW for a long time. Um, and uh, I just wanted to give you know credit where it's due. But that was when we decided to do uh, the LVO. And it was really scary, though, because we bet the farm. It was an all or nothing. Like, I remember that. We were, Frankie and I were, were like losing sleep. It was like, if this doesn't work, we are out of business. I remember that. Yeah. That's that's still before I had joined up, but you were still, you know, you're, I was still your roommate and, and everything. So I'd heard all the, the stuff and I just remember the rooms was the big one. You're like, if we don't sell rooms, we're out. Of, like we're literally we're out of business. Yeah. That's it. That's the end of frontline gaming. Yeah. That was the big thing was the rooms. Like, are we going to sell the rooms? Yeah. Are people going to book rooms? It, it, it yeah. was gnarly. And if you're out it's, there and you don't know how it works, like you have, you are, you're on the line for a certain yep. amount of rooms um, for a, a, at a casino or wherever you're doing it. Yep. And if you don't fill those rooms, they charge you for them. They charge you for each room you don't book. Exactly. So if you are coming to the LVO, please, please, please stay in, mm -hmm. stay at the hotel. Even if, I mean, if it's like, just don't be cheap. Yeah. You're really <laughs> right. helping to support and sustain the event yeah. because it's it's a potential loss of like hundreds of thousands of dollars, mm -hmm. right? So that's why we always, you know, we understand that everybody's got their own situation, but if it is feasible, it really helps out to stay at the yeah. hotel for any event you go to, not yes. just Las Vegas Open. Any of them. Yeah, that's just the way it works. Um, 
But yeah, that was a big risk, right? And that was like, okay, you know, clinch time. Um, and we worked our asses off. That was one of the, leading up to that first LVO was the, I can honestly say it was the hardest I ever worked in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, getting ready uh, for 60, for, for. Look how cute it is. That's but so I remember small. like leading up to that and you see yeah. this picture here, uh, the empty hall, that, that's a 10,000 square foot hall. We'd never been in anything remotely yeah. close to that big. Yeah. And I remember leading up to it, I was working 16 hours a day for 30 days without a single day off, getting prepared. Like I was losing my mind. Um, almost cost me my relationship at the time too, because I was totally absent. And uh, But that was what it took to get it up and off the ground and running. And it was thankfully a huge success. And in this next picture, you see a bunch of smiling faces. Um, that was the thing that was the big payoff for it was seeing how much fun everybody had. Mm -hmm. Like that, that was just so cool to see all the whole hard work pay off with all these people coming from around the world. And it was still what would be today a very modest event. You know, we had 500 people, mm -hmm. but for us that was by a mile the biggest event we'd ever run, right? But we knew we knew we had a winner on our hands because of how much fun people had. The feedback was ultra positive. Mm -hmm. um, and why we barely we didn't we we didn't lose money. We didn't really make any money either. We knew we had something special on our hands. The whole team was excited, and this was about the time when you came on board actually it is after the first lvo might have it was i'm not really sure because that was in year that was 2014 you came on in around 2015. i think so yeah yeah so like the from the idea we had the idea to run the lvo in 2012 mm -hmm. planned it for a year signed all the contracts in 2013 and ran it in 2014. That's right. how long it took to get it uh, geared up right and it was funny because in this next picture you see this giant <clears throat> empty hall mm -hmm. That was the LVO three, and when we walked in there, we were like, "Are you kidding me?" That's that's we're skipping the 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 lost year of yeah, LVO at the Flamingo. Two, at the, Flamingo. Well, the Flamingo was a success. <laughs> just the hotel yeah, was which not. We shall not, not talk big. about. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was still the, the event was still a big success, yeah. but people didn't like the hotel, which yeah. we were responding. Yeah. We were responding to people saying they wanted a cheaper hotel. That's the cheapest hotel on the strip. Mm -hmm. People were like this hotel is kind of janky, and I'm like, "Yep, yeah, what would you want? It's the cheapest one." So we went back to Bally's. <laughs> But then you see this this uh, room, it's a, a 40,000 square foot hall. Yep. We were like, how the hell are we ever gonna fill this up? Mm -hmm. This is insane. And now in 20, uh, uh, for the event for 2019, mm -hmm. that hall will be one event. It will be full with just the 40K championships. Mm -hmm. And then the next picture you see it actually full, that's 40K, Age of Sigmar, 40K friendly and Shadespire. Um, and in, in the third year, that was the entire con. And then now it's going to just be a single tournament. Mm -hmm. It's just so exciting to see how much it's grown. But uh, at the same time, we had other events like the BAO was, was growing steadily and surely. And here's a picture of when we were in um, San Jose. Yeah, that was cool. It was at the, the top of a parking garage. That was my favorite venue. <clears throat> Um, it was at that one. However, they jacked the prices up to yeah. the point where it was impossible to run the event there. That, that was that, that was, was when Mariana, Mariana. Yeah, Mariana yep. was came on board at the she last year, the last year of the of the BAO in that venue, mm -hmm. um, and that was a really fun time, uh, really cool spot. San Jose was a good spot for it, but it just got too expensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And riding on the back of, of kind of like these successes, which by the way we'd had a lot of failures at the time too, uh, but with you know having our own products, 
having a couple of events that were actually starting to make a little bit of revenue. Uh, it gave us what we needed to kind of push forward with the company and move into a new location. And that was when we decided to come back to San Diego or coming back for me, for everybody else. Um, it was a move. Mm -hmm. And we, we literally uprooted the whole company, moved down to San Diego into downtown San Diego, which is a really right. cool spot. Which is funny because that's, that's when I had joined and I had just joined. You joined the year before. You, you guys were like, hey, just we don't want to alarm you, but we are going to move the business to San Diego now. And Jason's like, and I was married at the time. Yeah, and I was just like, okay. <laughs> so I didn't move immediately. I stayed. I actually worked remotely for like six months. We had two locations for a while. Yeah. And Jason, I, if was you guys remember, there. I ran the Martinez store. I got that place looking so good. You did. You really <laughs> did. <laughs> like I turned it into this like nice little boutique shop. You did. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but after a but while, it didn't last. It was. It didn't make sense after a while. I was commuting. I would come down like once a month for like a week. It was just. Yeah. yeah. And after a while, you were like, hey, I don't really feel like I'm a part of the team. Yeah. I joined this because I want to be a part of the team. Yeah. I want to move down to San Diego. And we said, no problem. Yep. We'll shut down the shop up north. We'll move you down, move you and your wife at the time down. Mm -hmm. And we'll really focus on San Diego. Um, and then a, a fun, not fun, but an interesting story. This is how these things happen. The only reason we came to San Diego is because we were about to sign a lease on a giant place in Dublin, California, mm -hmm. which is a really nice town up in Northern California. Super swanky. And this is the kind of the way these things, the, the way life works mm -hmm. is uh, we were about to uh, lease this place and I was about to move in with my girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, all, we had our vision, we were signing like a six year lease, like, okay, this is set. We're gonna open this giant store in, in Northern California and in a really nice town right next to a high school. It was a really great location. The day before I was supposed to go sign the lease, this slime bag property owner uh, leased it to somebody else, mm -hmm. right? And so the, the agent that was negotiating the deal was like aghast. He's like, this is so unprofessional. I've never seen this happen. Yeah. The guy screwed us, right? And then I also was moved, I moved out uh, of your place because mm -hmm. you got married, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. And then my girlfriend and I at the time broke up. And so all of a sudden it was like, uh, it was like, I don't know where to live. Like a, it was like a fork in the road. Yeah. <laughs> happened yeah i was like i don't know where to live uh you were living in frankie's room parents house yeah, yeah. With the wolf his wolf posters yeah i was like what <laughs> what is going on with my life yeah. right now and uh just by chance because like i was like we're, we can't move the business now i can't move my my person mm -hmm. screwed up all of our plans and i was like well, what do i what do i do now and by chance i looked at craigslist for san diego just just on a whim because that was where my friends i just went from <laughs> And I saw, we, we, we spotted a, a commercial building, a, a space in a commercial building in downtown San Diego for under a buck a square foot, which is unheard of. Yeah. That is like, like in, that's like astronomically low price. Mm -hmm. So I called the guy and I was like, is this for real? He's like, yeah, he's like, it needs some work. So I called one of my best friends. I was like, dude, can you drive down there right now? Let me know, give me your honest opinion. Um, and I talked to Frankie, I was like, are you open-minded to this? I was like, we have nowhere to go. He's like, sure. And uh, I called the guy back, sight unseen. I was like, I'm gonna send you a check right now. Yeah. And that was how it happened. It was like that. And it's funny how life works out like that. You know, like that had, that was a totally within like a two day period of time that all happened. Yeah. So, and that's why we're in San Diego. And then we came here, we decided to focus on media because mm -hmm. Twitch was blowing up at this point in time. And we really felt like that would be a good way to grow the business. Mm -hmm. So we moved in, set up a, a studio. There's a cool picture of Frankie and, and Alan uh, playing a stream game and if you guys remember we were streaming all the time at yep. that point 
Uh, and we really tried hard to make it work, but it just wasn't feasible from a business perspective. Um, and that's you know when we met Mariana, because uh, we needed she, someone. Yeah, to help she was her. going to college down here. She was in the area, and that's how she was here. And then Pablo lived here as well. Yep. And that's how he thought he was here as well. Yeah, and that's how we we got two of our most valuable employees is because we started streaming, and then that's how they saw us. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because a, a young man that at, when he was in high school came to our store in Martinez, was friends with Mariana. She needed to do her senior project for film school. Mm -hmm. She's a nerdy gamer too. And he was like, why don't you go interview these people we know that started this game company? And then like, literally we're like, man, we need someone who's good at media and in through the door, here, the, here she comes. Right. So we're like, oh wow, that was convenient. Did she trip? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. of course. That was a classic yeah. Mariana trip through the door. <laughs> and uh, it was just really interesting how all those things fell into place. Yeah. Now the media thing ended up not working out because, right. and the reason why is to, to stream a game takes a minimum of three. You need four to really do it right. Yeah. And of course, everyone here is a paid employee. So that's mm -hmm. uh, four people for four hours is 16 hours of paid labor. Mm -hmm. uh, it just wasn't generating that much right. revenue. I mean, we got up to like almost 500 subs at one point. Yeah. It still wasn't enough. We would do those narrative battle reports that were really popular, but they took so much work that you'd have to write the script, film it, yeah. edit it have someone do voiceovers. Like you were talking like hours and hours yeah. and hours of labor, like, and then it just was not worth it. It was not worth it. If that was like your main revenue stream and that's what, and people were, you were making enough money to support that, sure enough. But if it, all those people that were putting all those hours in were also the people that were supposed to be like calling game stores to like make purchases. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, we were trying to do like, because yeah. our paint studio was, was was growing and growing and right. growing. Um, you know, the, the, the mat business was going well. Mm -hmm. the, this is at about the time when we started dabbling with making uh, terrain, mm -hmm. you know, product sales, running events, like we were just doing so much at once, something had to give. And of course, with a business, you have to make it a decision that is the best for all the employees. And so we decided to pull the plug. But as a result of doing that, we made some incredible contacts, right? Like we got to present at TwitchCon, mm -hmm. uh, which is incredible. We got to make some amazing contacts in the video game world. And we got to meet a lot of the people at Twitch. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jeff was a big part of this too, of helping make this happen. You can see he's right there with us presenting at TwitchCon. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, even though it didn't work out from a business perspective, from a contact perspective, it was huge because it allowed us to really get in with some of the people who are decision makers at Twitch. Right. And now as a result of that, uh, we, we were able to get like front page on Twitch when we were streaming the Las Vegas Open. Mm -hmm. And it kind of helped push everything forward with getting people watching uh, uh, tabletop gaming, specifically 40K and Age of Sigmar. And now there's some some deals in the work that we can't talk about yet, mm -hmm. but they're extremely exciting and they're really going right. to push everything forward more. So, But it also like, I mean, I don't want to toot our horn, but like it caught the eye of major manufacturers, game manufacturers who also were like, what is this? What yeah. are these people doing? People want to watch this? It, and it, they maybe started picking that stuff up. And then, noticed, wow, this is really popular. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say specific names, but it's like it, that was really the time of like an awakening in terms of like media for the, the analog tabletop games. It was. It was an exciting time to, to, all, to do all it. analog games. I mean, yeah. board games as well. Like, how well, many agree. channels are out there of people playing Settlers of Catan? Celebrities, it's big money, you know. It's, it's crazy how that all kind of happened. All about that point when you guys were doing that TwitchCon thing. Yeah, and it's and it's still going red hot, right? And 
we're really thankful that we we did it because it's it's been beneficial to our business in other ways, even though it wasn't directly fiscally beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to just make cuts because we were, right. we, there's only so many hours in a day. And uh, we're really thankful for it. And we hope to come back to it. We have plans to come back to it, mm-hmm. but we're gonna come at it in a different way. Um, if all of our plans that we've got cooking come to fruition, it's gonna be even better yeah. And I think it's going to be actually fiscally healthy for the business too. So um, we're not done with it. We're just taking a break to reorganize, rethink. Because, you know, it's interesting too. Like I, I still don't know like why. I feel like some of our video battle reports were the best out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the ones that, that, that Mariana's format that she had was incredible. The only thing is sometimes we didn't always have painted miniatures, which again is a bummer, but we just literally didn't have time to do it. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the, the quality of the content, I felt like it was top notch. Um, but you know, you know, it's the, the, the channels out there that are really successful, that is their job. But still the most popular ones were always the handheld cameras, mm-hmm. people goofing off, yelling in the background. Being total just yeah. goobers. Yep. And that was back when there wasn't a lot of competition though. Yeah. Right. Like, cause we started out with just like a shitty handy cam <laughs> and we were just like, let's play a game. Oh, I'm <laughs> like, fart people would be like zooming in and out and like, just the glares like it'd be, oh, if you really want fun, go back and look at our old. Channel. They are a lot of fun. Oh. And they were short too. We kept them to like yeah. 15, 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as as the as the industry raced forward, you, yeah. you that kind of a video just didn't compare. And to now it'd be, la- it'd be laughable, yeah. yeah. But it was like, it, it, that was a big part of us getting our, our name out there was mm-hmm. doing those in the old days. Yeah. Sometimes we do two in a day. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like the- Anytime effects, you guys would play a game, you just get, we had a little red handy cam and you'd plug it in. Yeah. And half got, time it run out of battery and you have to stop the game. <laughs> I got my money's worth out of that little camera. I remember man. one time That's I played you. Jeff in a whole game. And then, and then, or we got halfway through and then the battery died. Yeah. And he got mad and he left. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. But it was about, right about this time too that um, uh, we decided to take another really big risk, take another chance, uh, our partnership. Uh, with Table War had been very successful and we'd agreed to work together for two years. We actually worked together for, I think, more like three. Um, it was a very successful, mutually beneficial partnership and we're very thankful for it. And I'm sure they're very thankful for the the very, very hard work we put into making that whole thing happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there came a point when we realized if we really wanted to push it forward, take the next step, that we were going to have to uh, do things a little bit differently. And so we decided to take the very, very big risk of learning how to be manufacturers ourselves mm-hmm. instead of importing products from overseas. Yep. And so we made a huge investment uh, of time, energy, and money uh, leasing uh, the facility that we're in now. This is the third uh, location for Frontline Gaming. It's 4,000 square feet. It's almost 10 times as big as our first mm-hmm. spot and buying very expensive manufacturing equipment mm-hmm. and then trusting that we could figure out how to do it because none of us have ever been manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was uh, two years, over two years ago now. And uh, the, the first year was pretty challenging, mm-hmm. pretty scary. Um, we were losing money every month and we didn't know if we were gonna make it or not. Mm-hmm. And it was just through hard work and ingenuity and sticking it out um, that we got it worked out. And it was one of the best decisions we've ever made as a company, because now we're making you know, all kinds of awesome mats uh, all different sizes. Uh, we're coming out with magic games, for, uh, mats for magic for video games. Mm-hmm. All kinds of really cool and exciting stuff. And then we get to come out with new designs, and we have the pride of saying that we make these with our own two hands, which we do. Yeah, it's literally us doing it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we had to learn how to do it. 
that was there was a little bit of instruction when they came in and, and gave us the uh, the equipment and not really, but that was about it. And not they were really. Like, we literally well, figured it out as we went. I remember when the guy, one of the guys, was installing one of the pieces of equipment. He's like, you know, the, uh, no one's ever really used this for what your guys are going to do, and they left. Cool. And we're like, cool, sick, yeah. So, uh, but we figured it out, and you know, it's been great. And it was not, I mean, from the word go, there were problems. Like, Changes in packaging because yeah. shipping rates, like everything has just. It's, it's been such a learning yeah. experience. And we're like English majors. You think, it, yeah, we are, literally we are English majors. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and Frankie went to the school of hard knocks. Yeah, school of streets. But uh, that in the picture you see, it's us holding the very first FLG mat we ever made. That was such a proud moment. Because from the word go, it was such a challenge. Like nothing went right. Yeah. Like the machine, like obviously the, the, you don't go to a store and pick up th these machines of the size, they're bigger than a car. Mm -hmm. And they don't just have trucks. them sitting yeah. there. They got to make them. You order it and then they make it. Mm -hmm. So you, the money's gone and the clock starts ticking. And they're like, oh, and it was just like one thing after another. Like, oh, this thing, that thing. Oh, it's going to take another month. And you're like, dude. I don't have another month. Yeah. You better get your shit together and give me my machine space. or I'm going to fly yeah. over there and firebomb your factory. Yeah, they don't make them in the U.S. Yeah. So. And there's so many challenges you don't think of. Like, oh, there's a strike at port. Oh, good. Now we get to wait longer mm -hmm. for this. To, and it, it's just one thing after another. It's very stressful. However, now that we've gotten it all figured out, we've gotten through the, the, the difficult times, mm -hmm. it allows us to have total creativity and freedom. <clears throat> Um, and it's just, it's just a better business model. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're really thankful that, that it all worked out. And uh, again, we're thankful to everybody who helped to, to, to get to this point. Right. Because um, it was a team effort the whole way. Um, and then it was about this time that we also decided to start making terrain. Uh, we'd started a little bit before this and then we kind of dovetailed them together. Like, wouldn't it be cool if we could make terrain at Master Mats? Mm -hmm. And thus was born the ITC terrain, which has been really, really popular. It's been super fun. Mm -hmm. Um, some of the most enjoyable parts of what we do now is to sit around brainstorming like would it be cool if we made a, uh, a terrain set that would go really good for like whatever mm -hmm. and then to have, like work with all these artists and if you're out there if you're a 3D designer and you'd be interested in doing this kind of thing reach out to Frankie at FrontlineGaming.org we're always looking for new talent and we work together to make these really cool things and they're manufactured here in the United States um, by uh, uh, we have multiple cutters now actually working with us, including uh, Frankie's brother. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Always fun to work with family, and it, it's just been really neat to see this uh, vision kind of come become a reality. You know, having something that's in your head as an idea that becomes a product that makes people happy and they're willing to pay money for is it's really fulfilling. Right. It's really fulfilling. Um, and then as a part of being here in San Diego, we decided to run another event, the SoCal Open. Uh, it's our third major event that we run and right from the word go it's been very popular and uh, there's a fun picture you can see lots of room to grow that was in the first year though right that's from the first yeah. year yeah uh lots of room to grow and uh but of course the kind of most exciting thing that's happened in the last uh x period of time i can't actually disclose mm -hmm. is uh that moment when gw reached out to us um, after, you know, all the trials and tribulations of starting the ITC mm -hmm. to try and help, you know, bring everybody together, get people excited, get people a template to run events, mm -hmm. especially in sixth and seventh when it was really hard to do. Mm -hmm. um, and to see that explode and become like a global event with, you know, we're going to hit 10,000 active participants. Who knows how many uh, participants in it that don't actually report any scores. Um, and to see that take off and how exciting and cool that has become. Mm -hmm. And then as a recognition of that hard work for G, but GW to reach out and go, I mean, I remember the phone call that like I had to sign an NDA mm -hmm. and then they're like, okay, cool. How would you like to help 
shaped 40k i jumped out of my seat yeah you know as a nerd and a hardcore right. fan that was like i never thought this that was, would ever this happen. was during the doldrums this was when of it was seventh bad. edition this when it was, it was really bad, bad and people were leaving in droves people could not was gw bad. was in a tailspin with 40k and it was all well, self-made not, not really a tailspin but like people were marketing leaving. driven yeah. it was awful and we all know what i'm talking about yeah it was terrible at the time period and they were like what can we do to fix it and they did yeah. the right thing they reached out to the people who knew how to fix it and not, and not just us of course right no, but there, like, was, there was like a whole community involved worldwide by the way yeah they um they they, <laughs> they initially reached out and now this is all common knowledge they initially reached out to people who had run large-scale successful events mm -hmm. and said y'all are in touch your events are are, are successful um can you do you want to help us shape uh 40k and it was like one of the most exciting moments of my life uh to to be able to do that and to get flown over there and it just it was just such a like a feather in the cap of wow i can't believe all of this stuff is happening how cool is this mm -hmm. uh, and then to see eighth edition even though you know our influence on it is, is minor um we're there to provide feedback and, and play test but to see how popular and exciting the game is is a real sense of pride that comes <clears> along with that um again even though they do the vast majority of the work to have some small part in shaping something that you love has been mm -hmm. a dream come true. It's not something I ever thought would happen. Mm -hmm. And Frankie and I are just so stoked to be a part of it and and see how, uh, and, and you as well, and the whole team here, uh, to see the, the game kind of blossom. And a lot of that is actually thanks to the mistakes of Age of Sigmar. Mm -hmm. A lot of this, where we're at right now, is because Age of Sigmar stumbled a little bit, and then you had people that kind of made points for the game, and then that they were all of a sudden having all the success and then I think that really helped, and I, I, I'm speculating here, I really think that helped GW to see reaching out, community engagement, passionate fans that are doing, that have a stake in the game. They're not just, oh, I love the game. They're like, I am actually going out there. I've got skin in the game. Mm -hmm. I'm risking money and time and energy and effort, and it's being successful, to reach out to people like that that are professional and say, uh, let's, let's hear what you have to say. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was a, a brilliant move on their part, so kudos to them. And, and here we are. Um, and we wanted to say thank you. Um, there's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs. There's been a lot of stressful times. There's been a lot of times when we didn't know the business was going to make it or not. There's been a lot of times when it's been unbelievably exciting and fulfilling. Um, even though we still, none of us make as much money as we did in our previous careers, uh, we're really fulfilled mm -hmm. and happy. We get to work with our, our, our friends uh, and family in some cases. And none of this would have been possible without the support the, the, the business, um, just the, the well-wishing, the people that listen to the podcast, watch the videos, come the to the events, the patience. <laughs> you know, sometimes we make mistakes and, and, and people are willing to give us feedback or mm -hmm. bear with us. And none of this would have been possible without all of you. So yeah. a heartfelt thank you for being a part of this and uh, enabling us to kind of live out a dream. Yeah. Um, it's been a tremendous experience and uh, just so thankful. To, to the customers and the fans and the friends and the family who've been there for us for these last seven years. We super appreciate it. Yeah. Here's to seven more. Here's to seven more. Cheers. Cheers. As they say. So, uh, country. and cheers. Uh, <laughs> opa, salud. Uh, hopefully you all enjoyed that um, yeah. little kind of nice. remembrance. It's nice to think back. We don't, it's, every, it's, it's always so go, go and hectic here. It's hard to look back, you know, where it came from and take take some memories let's jump into chat and see if anybody had any 
questions before we wrap up um, with some of it. Uh, yeah, Connor, thanks, dude, yeah. for the happy birthday wishes. And thank you for all your hard work uh, doing all the number crunching and all the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you all haven't listened to Chapter Tactics, which it's so popular now, I'm sure you all have. Mm-hmm. But uh, the last episode is really exciting because it talks about the impact of the FAQ. One tidbit that I think is really interesting, the most powerful list in the game, the Castle and Blood Angels Astromilitarum list, which had the highest win percentage in the game, mm-hmm. dropped down to an above average win percentage. Mm-hmm. That's a successful FAQ. Yes. That is a It didn't get nerfed into oblivion. Mm-hmm. Still red hot. Still very good. But not absurd like it was. Mm-hmm. Um, Does anybody uh, have any specific questions, I guess, about the history of frontline gaming within reason? Yeah. Not sexual history. Yeah, if you have any questions about like the business, the, 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 what it takes to run a business, all that, within reason, of course. But mm-hmm. um, we have a few minutes. Grab a beer and celebrate, says Ma'am Dear. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely be doing some celebrating at some point this month. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's just. I thought it'd be fun to go back and take a look at what some of the kind of milestones of, mm-hmm. of us getting to where we are today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it'd be fun to get a, a battle report in there just for old time's sake. It's just we just really haven't had time. Uh, Mandir, tell us about the time Jason had to. Take care of business to behind the store to make ends meet. <laughs> how about the story of how Jason went from fit to fat to fit as in the whole cycle of frontline gaming? Now back to fat. No, you're not. You're PHAT now. Uh, nah. That that's, that's, a, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. But but, uh, d- but that's, that actually made me think about the dumpster behind the store, the old store, that was always an adventure, going to that dumpster to take the trash out. You never knew if it and was going to be a raccoon it. or a crackhead. You would try to go before the sun went down. That was... <laughs> Yeah, if you, you just, had to go out there and it was like dark, it would be oh my god, like this. It was a might challenge. Be the end. Yeah, Mister Inquisitor, the Trader Guard, they look amazing. They I look like Cadians. They look like a mix of the cultists, the Chaos cultists, with Cadian armor. Yeah, it's really cool. cool. Uh, RL squared two. Can I join the paint studio? I live in Florida. Yeah, it's, most of our painters don't live in California. If you think you have what it takes to join the FLG Paint Studio paint team, Do which you know, I think we're the biggest studio in North America at this point in time. This year, I think. And I was actually looking at this yesterday. We're going to hit our thousandth paint commission. Excuse no me. kidding. Yeah. What a mile. We're at like 973. We've come a long way from yeah. us literally. And that's, it. that's actually how I joined Frontline Gaming. I, I hope you don't mind me saying it, but I, I came in one day because I would, I would just come in and reach the roommates and I would sometimes after work and I, I was working in a different job. And like Reese said, you know, we made more money, but it was awful jobs. And I came in, and, and Reese was on the phone with somebody who was upset about something. It was it was a paint commission. I remember this vividly because it was a commission that something happened, spiral electrical, as they do sometimes. And and I remember, like, just – I don't even know what made me say it. But I was like, hey, Reese, if you know if you wanted, I can take care of the paint stuff for you. That, that was it. I just said that. And it didn't. we didn't really talk about it at the time. You're we like, oh, yeah, maybe. But that, like, sparked the conversation. And then I started doing the commission – uh, the paint commission admin work on the side of my regular job. Yeah. And then eventually that kind of like brought me in more and more and to the point where me and you started discussing actually coming on board. And then I did make that decision about three years ago. Yeah. No, it was more than that. It was 2015. It was like, yeah. 2015. The start because I, I got hit with my taxes on that one. It's because I worked for one last year. So you, you're almost four years with yeah. us. Yeah. It's been quite a journey. Um, and that is, it's funny how the getting a job here usually involves one step at a time, just kind of like 
That's what I tell everybody. Through osmosis, small, just getting you're just around, and you're like, "Hey, do you want to do this?" And they're like, "Yeah." If you make yourself valuable to a business, eventually you will have a job there. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's the way it goes. Uh, Alex, yeah, a video tour of the store would be pretty cool. Um, we can't leak anything about upcoming models for all of you who asked about stuff like that or codexes. Sorry, um, that's uh, not possible. Amanda, <laughs> LVO is basically spilled all over that store. Yeah, uh, our warehouse is full of terrain. And we have a warehouse in Vegas full of terrain, and we still have to make an amazingly large amount more terrain. So anybody wants to come help, please come and help. Mm-hmm. Holly, uh, Alex, actually, I spent all day yesterday organizing the warehouse. It's actually nice and nice and organized. It's better right it's now. It's better. Yeah. Yeah. I spent all day getting everything organized, sorted, inventorying all the stuff, and it's nice and relatively organized. There's still a couple little things I need to fix, but uh, yeah, it's been a pain in the butt. Uh, to uh, uh, Axe of Inchby, I believe it was Axe of Inchby, said, congratulations on running a store without selling magic. Thank you. Ah, You're welcome. That's yep. true. We're one of the only ones. Never did. I think we would, every periodically we would buy like boxes of magic cards and then like we would have like our friends just come and buy them all and then we'd yeah, like, we'd like, we would yeah. do like a, a night of magic yeah. and that would be it. I mean, I'm sure we'll dip our toe into it eventually, but we've had our hands full just doing miniatures games. Mm-hmm. Never mind Jumbo. Yeah, if you, anybody wants to come by for online gaming, we're always here. Come up, pick up some stuff, get a game in. It's all kinds of fun. The, the Yeah, the batting cages are gone. God, that's such a bummer, though. Thank God. I hated that. I loved it. That guy would just scream at those kids. Ah, your dad you're hates trash. you. You're trash. You're just garbage. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's right. That kid is garbage. I saw him. <laughs> he looked, I, he just walked like garbage. The I kids just come out crying. It was awful. Yeah. At least we're not a pipe banger man anymore. That was the worst. It's actually pretty good now. Yeah, it's, it's nice not and too bad. So anyway, upcoming 40K <laughs> ITC events. We have about 20 plus events this weekend, which is insane. Which is... Uh, it's supposed to be the holidays, so... Yeah. Usually November, December are quiet months, but now it looks like it's just December. Mm-hmm. So we had a major last weekend, the Warzone ATL and um, Du Bois GT. Two more this weekend. We have the Renegade Open GT, and that's up in uh, Minnesota, and one. the Alliance Open 40K Dutch Grand Tournament, and that's in Hoofdorp, <laughs> Netherlands. They have and, the funniest names. Yeah, well, I mean, the funny does, not to them, but... It's not. Our names are not funny. There's events all around uh, the world, multiple events in Australia. Uh, England has got quite a few. Uh, Canada. Canada has. All over the place. We also have quite a few (laughs) upcoming uh, Age of Sigmar ITC events in the next 30 days, including a GT, the Hammer of Sigmar GT in Spokane Valley, Washington. So check those out. Get your points. Your current 40K ITC top five. Nick Nonavati continues to lead the pack. Followed by uh, the UK's pride, Mike Porter. British pride. British pride. And uh, coming in third place is Trent Northington from the Midwest. Matt Root, also of the Midwest, in fourth. Nick Rose jumps into fifth place, displacing our local hero, Brandon Grant. Mm. And Nick Rose uh, riding on the success of his Du Bois GT win with Gene Steeler Colt. Very impressive. Uh, congratulations to him. 40K High TC Hobby Track Top 5, Matthew Bodnarchuk continues to lead the pack. Followed by Scott Rumpel, who has moved into second, displacing Lou Rollins to drop down into third. Mike Giannone in fourth, and Michael Ralston in fifth. Quite a few new names there. Age of Sigmar, ITC Top 5. Joe Cryer continues to lead the pack. He's also the only one with five uh, event scores. Did he win last year? No. Uh, it, oh, gosh. Or was it Thomas? James no, Thomas. it was neither. No, it was James. Uh, yeah. Uh, James Thomas did win the ITC okay. last year. Yeah. We're starting to get some just top names here. Like yeah. We have in 40K. Yep. Which is pretty funny. Uh, Matthew Pashby in second. James Thomas in third. Former ITC champion. First year champion. Uh, Josh Harvey in fifth. 
and uh, Alex Gonzalez in sixth. Your hobby track, ITC, Sid Singh continues to lead the pack, followed by Philip Verduzco, Josh Lara, a new name, in third, Ben Nelson in fourth, and Joseph Halifacker in fifth. Shadespire, top five, we have Mike Kors in first, Andrew Everhart in second, Branju Ulick in third, Matt Everhart in fourth. Uh, the Everhart brothers are climbing back up the rankings. Yeah. And I hope they're, I think they're brothers. And Tony Field in fifth. When's the next, I mean, so the next Shadespire big event might be LVO. I think it's LVO. Okay. So I we need to get LVO. one more next year. Because uh, well, the LVO, we're over 40. So it's going to be yeah. a big one. Okay. Uh, so check out, we have quite a few commissions to show off. Oh. Uh, this first one is an absolutely gorgeous uh Alternative paint Ooh, scheme. Lord. This is actually a, um, these Tyranids are, are painted for, this is an ongoing commission for this guy. So these are, uh, it's his own uh, unique uh, paint scheme. I forget what the original. It's blue on blue, which is interesting, but it really looks great. It's he, this, this guy's been with us for like forever, like since I started. And it's the same artist that keeps doing it. I forget exactly, but I remember the original photos that he sent as examples were like tropical fish. If I remember correctly, and it's been a year, like three or four years, this guy's been getting stuff done. So anyways, this is his latest installment. Uh, these are Tabletop Plus, uh, so lots of detail here. Um, basically, it's freehand all over it. Um, for yeah, the, it's for, got the little spots. For the texture and yeah. the design, yeah. So very cool looking. It's gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, so if you guys want to get stuff done piecemeal, that's totally fine. As long as the same artists are working with us, which most of the guys stay with us for years and years and years, um, we're more than happy to do that for you. And then this next one uh, is uh, Ultramarine's Honor Guard yeah. with Marnius Galgar. This is also a tabletop plus. So you can see here like every single part of the model is painted with multiple highlights. It looks fantastic. It really pops. This is just a normal standard GW scheme, but done well, it, it's just the classic look. You know, you can't go wrong with it. Now this next one I think is phenomenal. This is getting a lot of feedback online. The, this is such a gorgeous color scheme. The mm -hmm. cream and gold with the blue. The artist came up with this himself. Um, this is also a tabletop plus. Um, so we have a lot of those I guess on this one. Um, <clears throat> but the, the only thing that the client had asked for is uh, cream color for the armor plates and um, a gold bronze for everything else. And so- uh, It's gorgeous. This is what the artist came up with. Fantastic. Um, the uh, is pretty unique. It's getting a lot of feedback, I think, because you don't normally oh, see this color. Scheme. Online, it's getting massive like feedback. People are just like, that looks amazing. In person, I was just like, you know, because we get these all back to photograph here in, in, in uh, the HQ, and it's just like, I want a whole army like this. And this guy's back now getting more stuff. He's actually getting Zangors done, painted with the same nice bone armor, but like he's doing like a um, this the, the kind of um, pink flesh that Magnus has. Nice. So very cool. It's going to look really cool. That's going to be an absolutely gorgeous army. And yeah. then here's a tabletop Tyranid. This is just a tabletop, but it's very it's very simply done, but effective, right? It's just base coats with a wash and, and then one in, a, in a nice, sharp line highlight. And it, it's very Cannot affordable and it looks awesome. Right. Right. Like um, base, the, the basing is just um, level one. It's just texture basing with a little bit of dry brush. Very affordable. Yeah, and it looks great. Mm -hmm. And this client is very happy. This is actually a very, this is a very large commission. You don't see all the pictures here, but I think this client got like six of each of these types of Tyranids. Yeah, there's, I didn't put all the pictures in, but there's a ton of them. And if you want to go see more pictures, go to the FLGPaintStudio.com yeah. and there's a ton, a ton of pictures. Yeah, hit us up. We'd love to do your project for you. So do you guys have any questions before we sign off here on our uh, seventh anniversary? Yeah, Holly, Alex, that is a gorgeous color combo. I, I think know. you're going to see a lot of people copying now, that. Now, yeah, this guy. Yeah. 
Um, somebody asked, uh, what was the story of hiring Riccio? Riccio is, is not, doesn't work for us. It's just a funny person that imitated an uh, evil version of me. Every um, once in a while he makes an appearance. He does every now and then. It's Usually very when, fleeting. Yeah, when you think the, the mustache is a good look. Yeah. Once a year, twice a year. Uh, I do too, sometimes. Roy Duarte, is Vorgroth the Sacred and Skalok, the school host of Corn, going to be illegal in the tournament? What is this? Much? It's that gigantic... No, it's just a funny place for the question. <laughs> I, You know what, uh, Ray? I believe it is, but that's a question for Scott, the TO. So what I would recommend doing is going to the LVO Facebook group for the Age of Sigmar event and asking Scott, and he'll be happy to answer that question. I think he is legal, although I don't know how practical it is. He's a 1,200-point model. Um, I don't know how good that is. Uh, that one guy, 248, thank you very much. Happy birthday to Frontline Gaming. Uh, and again, thank you to everybody else who's made this possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all of you. Uh, happy Born Day, says Lubanks. Thank you so much. Very much appreciated. Uh, it, would, it would be great to see you guys get some Kill Team games in on Twitch or YouTube, says Mr. Inquisitor. I've still never even played Kill Team. I've never even read the rules. So that's step one. Yeah. That'll be the first thing yeah. is to look at the book. Yeah, because I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to Kill Teams. Mm -hmm. Other than I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah. So anyway, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this very special edition of Signals from the Frontline, episode 616. And one last piece of very exciting news, we're allowed to talk about it now. Mm. You will be able to download Signals from the Frontline and Chapter Tactics, possibly the Ninth Realm if we bring it back, because we're going to start playing the game again, uh, Age of Sigmar, mm. on Pandora. So this is very exciting for us. Pandora reached out to us. Uh, they're launching a podcast on Pandora. Uh, and if I listen to Pandora every day, that's how I stream my music. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is a big deal for us. It's very exciting. We're honored and flattered that they chose our channel to be one of the first channels to go on podcasts on Pandora. I'm sure that's just because we have a lot of downloads and we've been around for like seven years. I feel it's most likely somebody from Pandora accidentally listened to one of the Ninth Realms and heard the flute, the, the ocarina during the walk, walk about the realms. That's probably it. Yeah. So we're really excited because uh, this hopefully would allow us to reach a lot more people and spread the good word about tabletop gaming. So um, they said that we could go ahead and start talking about it now. And they anticipate that you'll be able to find our podcast on Pandora starting in December. So it's not very far away. Uh, pretty dang cool. Pretty dang cool. So we're honored to be a part of that. And hopefully we can get more people interested in all the fun that is uh, Games Workshop Gaming and tabletop gaming in general. Indeed. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Here's to uh, seven great years to seven more. And we will see you all next week to talk about games and such. Mm -hmm.